the thing with that trade offer that I think it's one yep. piece too many. What's up and welcome to the Crude Oil Podcast, a weekly uncensored Edmonton Oilers podcast with your hosts, Sean and Greg. What's up and welcome back to the Crude Oil Podcast. It is the Fernando Pisani episode number 34. Uh, There really wasn't a different guy I could have used for this one. Yeah, I'm scrolling through the list right now and honestly, there's nothing that really sticks out to me. There might be some 80s Oilers on the list, but I don't know if uh, people would really be up in arms about this one. Was Jim Dowd 34? Ah, da, 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 da. yes, from 99 to 2000. Ah, yes, yes. I don't know why that sticks out in my mind. I just remember those those early days. Anyways, Sean, how's it going, dude? It's going good. Ready to do uh, another episode here and talk yeah. about all of the trade rumors that have been flying around the NHL. Yeah, last we chatted, we were talking about the four games they had up. There's really no point getting into that. We'll get into that eventually, probably in this chat, but... I think we should just dive into the the presses that seem to be extremely hot right now. Um, who do you want to start with? Well, I think we can start just working our way into what Edmonton's looking like at the moment, and then we'll get into the trades. So just from today alone, there was a bunch of random news that happened with Edmonton, such as Dryside on Kane missing practice. Um, word is that's more of an illness slash nagging injury thing. So, and that's confirmed by Woodcroft that it was more of a maintenance day in air quotes. Um, yeah. And that dry settles had a nagging injury for a while, but word is that it hasn't been serious enough to miss games. And some people are questioning whether or not that that is right. Like, should we just rest him if he has a nagging injury? And I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, it kind of takes me back because I know... I don't know when this injury or so-called injury occurred, but like Drysaddle hasn't looked good at all since he's uh, been back from the All-Star game, and it kind of you know prompts that question: like, if did, was it something that happened you know during our All-Star week, the time off? Was it something that he wasn't feeling a hundred percent heading into the the break with? Like, I I don't know, I don't know. Like the Oilers are in a good position right now i would say if he's got like something that's lingering that he needs to heal up i'd rather him sit out now than like you know potentially injuring it in the future i I don't know i guess like that's fair that i would want to potentially sit him out if it's something that would like heal in a week or so or two weeks if he doesn't play for that time but with that being said the the doctors clear him to play Right. And Edmonton, as you said, you think that they are in an okay position or a good position. Personally, I don't think they're in a good enough position to even <laughs> consider that unless it's necessary. Well, and the only reason I say that is like Dreisaitl, although like he's a he's a very heavy force on the ice, but he really hasn't played a significant role uh, these these last few games. Looking back this last week, I think this has been his, his poorest uh, week again if he's lagging an injury but um, uh, I'll give him some some grace there but like some of the back checks that he had some of the like brain head moves like if he's not contributing in a positive way right now and he needs time off maybe I don't know how long he needs off that's a different story though 
Like, do you just sit them out? Like, I, I don't know. I can see both points, but I'm glad you brought up the point that the doctors cleared him because I saw a lot of stuff on Twitter over the past couple days just to put him on LTIR till playoffs. Like, there, there's no way that's flying. Well, and to be fair, like I said, unless it's something that's going to be healed over like a few weeks, maybe of him not playing, like it could be something that's just nagging that could take months to heal fully. And if he mm. plays at all during that time, it will just continue to nag and nag and nag. So unless you're willing to sit him for a long time, then it's not really worth it. And yeah, the doctors yeah. they decide whether or not he can play like I still debate like last during the playoffs, whether or not he should have been playing with his uh, ankle injury. But at the same time, you're like, well, the doctors are letting him play. So, well, and that's what makes me kind of concerned too, because like, if that's the same injury that he's nursing right now, um, if, if I'm not mistaken, it was a high ankle sprain. I know that's one of those lingering issues that you never really get over unless you take like months and months off. So I, I don't know. I don't know. Does it say anything there? Not really. Nobody has any info or at least have been public about what exactly the injury is. It's just that it's a nagging injury. Um, and then mm -hmm. pains sitting out is more to do with this illness that's apparently going around the team. But before we get ahead of ourselves, I just wanted to say too, that speaking of injuries, um, I feel really, really bad for Anton Forsberg. Oh man. I'm not sure if, uh, everybody listening heard exactly what happened. I know people knew that he got injured in the game versus Ottawa, but he went down and I believe he tore his MCL in both of his knees. That's what I heard too. Yeah. So from the sounds of it, I don't know exactly how bad that injury is because I haven't had one myself, but I'm pretty sure one is enough to give you a bit of a setback into your career. I think two might be a career ender. Oh man, like knees and injuries do not combine for goalies. Like uh, I feel bad for him, man. That That was tough news very rough but uh here's hoping that he finds a way to recover and maybe he doesn't have his career oh end here like he's had a pretty yeah. long career to be fair though it hasn't been overly nhl intensive he's been more of an ahl goalie the but... the one day edmonton oiler <laughs> exactly so thoughts and prayers go out to him and his family that he can uh, feel better soon and yeah, maybe get absolutely. back to playing um and yes. then also, what happened is Devin Shore was sent down. If you ask Elliot Freeman, apparently his name is Drew Shore, which was very funny. <laughs> but he was then immediately called back up. I was going to say, was has there been more news in the last 24 hours that Devin Shore has created that has created more of a buzz like on Oilers Twitter? Everyone's like, what's going on? Why is he going down? Why is he going down? What's the like corresponding move? And now he's coming back up. Uh oh, has there been a trade made? Uh, is someone sick? Like, what's going on? Well, my speculation would be to do with those illnesses that are apparently going around the team that mm -hmm. maybe somebody might not end up being good to go tomorrow. Um, and Costin, that's also in the news that he was back on the ice today, so he might be good to go tomorrow, but maybe he's still iffy on whether or not he'll be able to play. So they just have but, sure ready to go just in case. Yeah, and, and one thing that kind of extends to and something that we're going to get in here uh, is Yamamoto. So the Oilers needing that additional move on waivers in order to to clear him to play. It looks like he's ready to go, but it sounds like the only way they can incorporate him into the lineup. We're recording here Tuesday night on Valentine's Day. Uh, I should mention that. But uh, to, to get him to play on Wednesday, it sounds like there's going to be some sort of move that has to happen in order for 
Yamamoto to be cleared to play? Well, the only way that he can play now, based off of the time of day it is, since Edmonton didn't put anybody on waivers today, is if they make mm-hmm. a trade this evening or tomorrow morning before the game. And yeah. I don't exactly think that's likely at the very moment, but that is the only way they can make it work. Because even with sending Kostin down, <clears throat> that wasn't, or sorry, not Kostin, Shore down, that wasn't enough money to clear space for Yamamoto at, to actually be able to play. They would have had to send down Yanmark, I think, as well, or Pugliarvi Fogel or one of those guys. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what's going to wind up happening. I feel like something's a buzz, like something... I, I was texting you yesterday. I was like, maybe we should just put off to tomorrow because there's something that could possibly happen. Like, it just feels like something's about to, uh, you know, go down, especially with the fact that you've got people, like, sitting out now due to trade rumors as opposed to, like, non-disclosed injuries. Yeah, it's really funny that that's happening. But, yeah, ever, ever since, I think it was Sunday that there's just been news trickling out about specifically Chitrin, and then they're talking about potentially Eric Carlson rumors, which we'll get into very shortly, that it's just been like, I've been sitting here refreshing, just hoping to see if something happens. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, we'll get into it, but the the trade deadline's two and a half weeks away, so... I mean, nothing has traditionally gone down on trade deadline day like it used to. So I I would imagine that in in the coming days, we're going to be seeing a lot of those big name players being listed um, going to their new destinations. I don't know. Well, you mentioned with Edmonton, too, that Yamamoto is pretty much ready to come back and raring to go, but they can't activate him off LTIR. So I think with Edmonton, they're more likely than not to make a trade within the next let's just say week or so to bring in somebody and get out some of that salary. So Yamamoto can come back. Yeah. Um, with that being said, do we want to dive into the trades and before, well, obviously not the trades, but the trade rumors that are speculating. Uh, I think it's good to talk about Tarasenko first, because I think it kind of sets a market price with what we're seeing right now. Um, we can, uh, we can just recap the trade here. So, Vladdy Tarasenko going to the Rangers. I mean, this guy's had New York written all over him for the last two years. Uh, but uh, the Rangers getting him and uh, Mikola in exchange. Uh, the Blues get a 23 uh, first rounder, conditional 24th, fourth. Sammy Blay heading back to uh, uh, St. Louis and then Hunter Skinner. That being said, I mean, you kind of get a guy on an expiring term and a prospect, but you're still giving up a conditional first, uh conditional is it conditional first and a conditional fourth as well? I know the yes, first it's a conditional protected. first, the first being that they get the lower of the Rangers two first round picks. So whichever one's better. And on gotcha. the fourth, the condition is that it becomes a third if the Rangers make the playoffs. And so I think the likely. piece <laughs> Yeah, very true. I think the piece that makes this really interesting to me is the fact that St. Louis also retains 50% of this cap hit. And I, the reason I find it interesting is because I think barring the amount of like salary teams are willing to retain is really going to start impacting the returns that they get. Well, when it comes to these expiring contracts, they are only for one year. So you look at Tarasenko mm-hmm. and St. Louis, I think this is, with their salary retention, this is a sign to me that St. Louis is not going to be making a push for the playoffs. I know that they're out of the playoffs right now. 
Um, and this just kind of screams that they're not going to do anything to make themselves a contender this year. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's a good point because you look at the players that are kind of swirling around the Edmonton Oilers realm or what they're they're looking uh, or what they'd be interested in specifically with Chikrin and, and Carlson is, is there's term on those deals. And so maybe it is a little bit different. I know I was listening to Frank Saravelli last, uh, I think it was yesterday or the day before, but he was talking about how um, nobody's really biting at Arizona's offer. And uh, rather than wanting them to like adjust what they they want in return, they're looking a lot more at the amount of salary that they'd be willing to retain. Because I mean, being Arizona being at the cap floor is basically the goal. Like they're never going to spend to um, the uh, the full cap limit of the NHL. So uh, it'll be interesting. Yeah, Arizona is one of those teams that like it's not an expiring contract, but they'd be more willing than probably any other team to retain just because they don't have those big contracts. Like you said, they're trying to get to the floor and I don't think they're anywhere close to making it anytime soon unless mm-hmm. they have a big draft this year and land themselves a Connor Bedard. Well, and even like just looking at Arizona, the the move of sending Dylan Gunther down, um, if, on the one hand, also very much uh, helped out the Edmonton Oil Kings with their uh, um, with that move, but uh, it, it kind of like giving that that rookie that opportunity to go down and play in the playoffs. It's kind of them just being like, you know what, like we're not too concerned about this NHL season. Probably not too too worried about you having the experience ready for next year. So I, I'm kind of with you there. Well, yeah. And speaking of Dylan Gunther, I'm not sure if you're aware, but the Oil Kings did trade him. Yes, yes, but it was conditioned on whether or not he returns back to the WHL. The, oh, okay. yeah. yeah, I see now that there's six picks all with conditions on them, and I'm assuming that was the condition. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was a, a nice little package there. Um, nice little late Christmas present for the Oil Kings. But yeah, and at the same time, like Arizona probably doesn't really want Gunther on the team this year because it's a little probably depressing playing on Arizona this year because they're bad they're playing in a college stadium like there's nothing <laughs> around that team right now that's uh screaming sign a long-term contract with us yeah. yeah yeah absolutely well let's dive into the trades let's talk about the guy that everybody seems to be swirling about uh it's eric carlson and the ask kind of came out it was kind of what bob Stoffer was talking about yesterday uh being monday i don't know if the ask has really changed so I basically took the uh, the ask that's up there. Um, I think we'll defer to the the comments after our conversation. And uh, have you seen the results yet, Sean? Uh, I do see them now. I just brought up the poll. Oh, okay, I was gonna I was gonna surprise you afterwards, but we might as well go through it first. So um, basically, the the rumor that we're hearing, and we've heard a couple different uh, alterations that uh, could consider some different. Um, some pieces or, or um, the amount willing to uh, to be retained, but it's a first Tyson Berry, uh, it's Bouchard, it's Borgo, it's Yessa Pugliarvi in exchange for Eric Carlson dollars retained. And I don't think I've heard once 50% retained at all. Yeah, with based off of that po- the, that offer right there, I would say yeah. that I would 100% want 50% retain. 
and right. I would expect, I know I've heard a lot of people saying like similar money in money out. So essentially we might be able to get Carlson down to 7 million or so, which I think is like 40% retained. Um, mm-hmm. But the thing with that trade offer that, like you mentioned, Bob Stoffer suggested that I think it's one yep. piece too many. I think the first yeah. Borgo and Bouchard, I would value those pieces similarly. And I think one of those pieces would need to be removed from that trade. The first is likely staying there. So it would be one of Bouchard and Borgo. So the thing that I heard is that they want three first round picks, whether it's someone that they've drafted or someone, um, you know, like an, an empty pick that they have. And then two contracts, one of them being Barry. I've heard Barry's name listed the most. But with Bouchard carrying probably the most trade value, uh, Borgo, obviously, he's got uh, kind of a log jam up the middle uh, in the future. I, I, I'm with you there. Um, the our, our poll closed with uh, 59.4% of people saying, you pull the trigger on this, whereas it leaves 40% saying, saying, no, it's way too much. And I mean, I feel like this is how, how things have gone in, in uh, uh, Oilers nation like the entire year like it's very much down the middle well my big issue with that trade is the wide open gaping hole that that leaves in our right side so let's say hypothetically we make that trade we have now a right side of carlson cc and deharnay if we have any injuries on that right side we're pretty fucked we could bring up Nima yeah. Linen. We could play Broberg on the right side if we need to. Vice versa, one of those guys can go over there. But I think in terms of actual players on that right side who have NHL experience, like I love DeHarnay, don't get me wrong. I think he'd be great on that third pairing, and I see him there like this season and next season. But if any injuries happen, then we're essentially relying on Kesselrig to come up. And then that just means we have like what four rookies playing defense essentially. Yeah. So I don't want to see Barry and Bouchard go. That's my only thing. I think that's a big risk to give up. Like I'd rather give up obviously Barry and uh, um, Broberg. Honestly, part of me might even take Broberg and Bouchard over that initial offer. Well, I think to make the money work, Barry has to go. Yes, regardless. Yeah, that's the only downside. Exactly. Yeah. But I like I know you're you're saying that the ask is three first round picks and then money, but I just I think Pulyarvi plus Barry essentially is equal to like the price of a first round pick. Well, yeah, because you get your your seven million bucks right there, but I just I don't know, man. Like. Th- I I'm on the on the side of the majority here. Like, this is Connor McDavid. We've got how many more years of them? Like three together. Um, do do you make the big jump for this? Is the player in in Bouchard gonna? Because I, when I look at all those players, the only person that like I'm I'm very very happy with Barry's performance um, this year. And I think like if you're gonna have to make an impactful trade he's probably the guy that's going to go because he has term, he has um, money, uh, and, I mean, he's got value this year. So I think those are the two things, or three things that Barry has going for him. But, like, I just, I don't know. I don't know if Bouchard's going to get to the level of the person we're trying to acquire by the time Connor and Leon's contracts run out here. 
Well, I think it's wishful thinking at this point. Like, no knock on Bouchard, but I think it's just not... What am I trying to say here? It's just not fair to think that he can be a top-pairing defenseman in the league, which is what we need. I think not at best, but like currently he's like a sheltered offensive defenseman who plays on the third pair. And that's not going to be enough to get us to the playoffs within the next three years. Cause I think in that time he might be able to mature into a second pairing right-handed defenseman. Like I don't yeah. see him maybe in seven years, he be- can become a, like a first pairing right-handed defenseman. But at that point it's likely too late. Yeah. And I don't want to give I, up on young guys, especially guys that we've actually put the time and the effort into drafting and developing. But you have to think about the implications on this season and next season and how we are actually going to be able to compete with teams like Colorado, with teams like Vegas when they're healthy, with teams like Dallas. Yeah. I mean, uh, and I, and just looking at the lineup and, and the pieces that will have to move in order to get there, uh, I think there's going to be players that'll leapfrog Pulley RV. Um, you know that that bottom six, the one player that's eating up, and it's it's the hardest year to put any sort of like um, circumstance behind it. But like Nugent Hopkins is the only guy that I don't see being there long term in the bottom six. Uh, but he's having like one of the top three, top four years of all the Oilers forwards. Uh, some could argue even higher. Like. I just I don't know where Borgo fits in the in the lineup. Give it three, four years. So that being said, I'm okay with that that give up. The Bouchard thing, I just I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah, Bouchard, I just I just don't know. Like you saw it like to kind of get into the games that we watched. The game against Montreal on that last goal, that like yeah. made me physically ill to watch. <laughs> Like that effort from him, like it's one thing to get your pocket pick behind the net. Sometimes that happens. It's another thing to chase the guy, com- completely just be nothing on the body on him. Let him get easily the inside position on you. And like, you look like you're not even trying out there. It looks like me on skates where I'm more focused on trying not to <laughs> fall over than to actually play defense. Man, that entire game was a tire fire, but that was just one of the things that like stood out. And when you have something stand out like that in a bad game, it, it ugh, that's a tough one to to kind of you know shush under the covers. Well, like I just I've had enough of watching that stuff, and like I know his underlying numbers aren't terrible this year, and the underlying numbers are looking more terrible on guys like Cody Cece, who there have oh, yeah. been. A lot of things I've been reading lately, especially regarding advanced stats, how Cody CC is an absolute like cancer for everybody on the ice, where <laughs> it'll drop their goals for percentage by 15% just from having him on the ice. So like, yeah, I, if I'm Edmonton, I'd try to include Cody CC in the trade instead of Barry. Yeah, there you go. But like I, yeah. that, that if it's Cody CC involved in the trade, I can see having to add like the extra <laughs> first round equivalent piece because I think Barry's much more valuable than CC is. But then yeah, you're running a, pretty... sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say they're pretty much on par for salary, right? Yeah, CC's at three point two five and Barry's at four point five, so it's fairly close. Yeah, I think yeah. you can make that salary work and. You can even do money in, money out. Like you could probably convince San Jose to retain a bit more if we include, like, Bouchard, 
uh, Borgo in a first, and then we can run Barry and Deharnay. Um, and then maybe pick up another right-handed defense depth defenseman to fill out the the extra forwards, especially with Murray on LTIR too. Like we have all of these guys who are either injured or too young to really be a significant piece in terms of depth that we want to rely on. So yeah, and like nothing, I nothing against CC, but like he's just has not been great this year, especially compared to last year. I was like pumping his tires all last year because he was to me the perfect defenseman for our team he's like he's out there he's playing 20 minutes a night and you barely notice him which is all i ever want out of a defenseman and this season he's been the most noticeable defenseman on the team because he's been god awful yeah it's it's amazing how some players just have whirlwinds like i mean you could probably switch him uh, different players but switch him and barry out last year like complete opposite well, and so. yeah, Barry found his game quite a bit near the end of the season, especially in the playoffs. And like, mm. not to say CC was bad in the playoffs, but I like, I think he's just has, he's way over his head playing top pairing yeah. with nurse. And like, he might be better mind you, if we bring in Carlson and he bumps him down to the second pairing or even the third pairing, like he might improve drastically from playing in a position that's more equal to his actual skill level. But like, I don't know if I want to rely on that because once again, the advanced stance have been just awful with him anywhere near our top players. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I heard those stories. I mean, I, I still have a hard time weighing in advanced stats, but I mean, there's got to be some truth to them somewhere. Um, before well, we if, leave, if you're failing the eye test and the advanced stats, that's like that's got to be something, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing, right? Um, just before we we get into the, the other pieces, the two main guys here, I I don't even see this as a competition. Um, in your personal opinion, if you had to give up the exact same assets, which maybe isn't fair, um, let's say exact same value return, which player would you rather have on your team right now? Looking at what the Oilers are com- um, uh, composed of, like with. With all the positions, would you rather have Eric Carlson or would you rather have Jacob Chikrin? Is that like assuming equal salary? Uh, yeah, let's say equal salary, equal trade value. Like in terms of what they bring to the team, which player do you want more? Well, Eric Carlson easily. I think he's an yeah, exponentially okay. better player than Chikrin is this season, at least. Well, he has been. I mean, Eric Carlson's had one bad year in the last four or five years. And statistically, like the guy's got more fucking five on five goals than Leon Dreisaitl. So, yeah, he's leading the league in five on five points, Eric Carlson, by like a margin of 15 points, which is eight points higher than Bobby Orr, who is the like one of the only other defensemen to have done that. Mm -hmm. Like it's batshit insane how well he's been playing. Well, like we need help on five on five. He's a puck movie defenseman, which I, I love. Like, is his defense leave a little bit to be desired there? Yeah, but who who does who doesn't do that on Edmonton? Nobody plays fucking defense unless your name's DeHarnay on our team. So, like, if you can get yeah. the puck out of the zone, then I want you on this team because watching everybody try to break the puck out has been pretty painful. And I think with a good puck moving defenseman who can play twenty five minutes a night, like that will change this team dynamically at five on five. Mm-hmm. So 
if we can't get either or, I was kind of hoping he'd go bite for Chikrin because that was going to be my my defense. But uh, I mean, it's just kind of a no brainer. Uh, but let's eliminate those two because those are the kind of the two big puck moving guys uh, available. Uh, the other two floating around, Gavrikov and McCabe. Now, at what point do you move on this or do you think you missed the boat? Because I think the Edmonton Oilers have to prioritize that puck moving defenseman. And I think by the time they get to a place where they're going to have an ask ready or, I mean, they fall out of the rankings, I think it's going to be way too late to pick up a Gavrikov or, or a McCabe. And I think you're going to be overpaying for him at that point. Like, is, do you kind of just go in on, go all in on these two different options and then kind of just settle? Or like, what do you do if you're Ken Holland? Well, in my mind, I would probably try and go all in on the big fish because Edmonton needs a player who can make a big difference on this team. Um, but you have to at least, like, I guarantee that Holland is talking to, like, Columbus and to uh, Chicago and has deals, quote-unquote, in place on what it would take to make that trade happen. And the scary part is, it's like, do you want to be the guy to pull the trigger first? Or do you want to wait right. and see what happens? Because you can either set the market with a trade. So say Edmonton trades for Carlson, you're going to set the market for Chitrin because Chitrin's like a tier below Carlson. So his cost will be a little bit less. Gavrikov's a tier below that. And McCabe's probably a tier below that. So yeah, you, do you want to set the market yeah. or do you want to get fucked by it? If somebody gives up a shit ton for Chitrin and you're like, oh shit, what are we going to do? You have to give even more for Carlson, and you have to give so much now for Gavrikov and McCabe. Yeah, it's almost like you can sit around and be the and, and wait for the desperate team to come forward, or you can be it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and like I think I'd rather not be the desperate team, because it just might set you up for disaster, but you kind of have to try and balance it perfectly, which is probably the hard part of being a GM, where you don't want to pull the trigger <laughs> too soon, you want to try and wait for that team to get a little bit more desperate, maybe lower their asking price and then pull the trigger. Like it's obviously way easier said than done, but you don't want to just pull the trigger. Like on uh, McCabe, for example, they're asking for a first round pick. <laughs> no. And then if they retain, they want more. Oh, I know my roommate brought that up to me and he's like, do you make that trade? And I just like laughed. Cause I was like, that just seems absurd for like a yeah. deaf defenseman at the deadline. Like he's probably could play top four in a pinch, but I think on a contender, he's a third pairing guy. Well, and I, the reason that I, I was bringing that up, like the, the perspective of like which route the Oilers take is just because in, in, in prior years, it feels like the message that we've been getting. And I mean, we really haven't had a huge splash since what Pronger and Rollison. Uh, oh, I, it definitely was just Rollison, I think. But, uh, like, it feels like we go in aiming for a brand new car and we come up with a handful of nuts and bolts every single year. Like, I, I don't know if you... Like, you're sitting here with the two best players in the NHL. Um, I, I'm By the way, I'm really pissed off at you about the whole thing you said about Dreisaitl underwhelming you because that's all I can fucking see now. So... <laughs> um. But yeah, like I just, I think the time is now. You gotta do it now. Yeah, I think it's it's especially now that they've saved their season over the last stretch of whatever twelve games. I think you have to look at this like this. We have a really good chance this year with teams in our division um, 
sorry, and our conference struggling with injuries. Like, I don't see why you don't look at this as a huge opportunity and take it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally with you. Um, one thing that, uh, I'm just seeing, uh, up Jason Greger had mentioned that, uh, Ken Holland actually approached Evander Kane with all the shit that was going on between, uh, him and the sharks and apparently no issue there. So if Carlson wants to come, yeah, more than welcome to. <laughs> well, I would, I would hope so. Especially if those guys didn't exactly spend a lot of time together on that team. Definitely. Cause Carlson's Definitely. only been there for a few years. So yeah, ultimately I, I, I would want to do it. And like, speaking of like the team in general, though, I I'm curious if there's less of a want to pull the trigger on a Barry deal because of what he brings to the locker room. Cause I know he's probably one of the most well-liked players in the league. Was that Elliot Friedman that was talking about how I think it was on a, his, uh, his podcast. He was mentioning about how with the step up that Barry's made and the impact that he has on his team, the only way he said that the Edmonton Oilers like internally would be okay with Barry leaving is if it was for a damn good return. Well, and you got to wonder if it's like, for a Carlson return, right? They're not going to trade him for a yeah. for a second round pick to dump his salary. I don't think like the team would want that. I know that McDavid and Drysaddle and Nurse like they they go to the leadership core to ask their opinion on things, and I have a feeling they'd be like, "Please don't do that." Like he's been a solid yeah. defenseman, and he is a glue guy in the room. We'd appreciate it if you did not trade him. Yeah, absolutely. Um. Yeah, I think that takes care of the kind of the big fish that I've heard about. Uh, there's still the Joel Edmondson rumors floating around. Doesn't nothing out there enough piques my my interest. I've heard Patrick Kane, but still don't know where he would fit on the team. Like, I I think I looking know. at a forward like a Kane or a Taves or a like a Besser, I'm thinking of the top forwards who are available right now. Like, yeah. that's not that doesn't fit Edmonton. Like, we're first in goals four in the league. Like, why would we be looking at more offense? Like, we're just going to try and do what we've done for years, which is outscore our problems, which in the playoffs seems to be impossible. Yeah. (laughs) It always feels like you're running after the lead with a flashlight. Like, it's just, you can't play that way. Well, like, you can play that way, but you also need to play defense. And, like, I would love to see Edmonton, with the players they have, play defense first. And then still be able to like bring some offense to the game. Like if we were able to improve our defense like twofold, if it meant that our offense went down like twenty percent, I think that would be more than worth it. I know those I were suppose. very generic numbers I just threw out there, but like, <laughs> like, and then that begs the question: Do you bring in a guy like Carlson, an offensive defenseman, when we need defense? <laughs> yeah yeah i guess I, i'm just hoping that like and the reason that i i would love carlson more than anything is i think when you look at that mentorship that he can provide him for bouchard that's the one reason that i feel like the amount of stuff that he could learn from him uh would be kind of invaluable so but yeah to your point if we really need defense i don't know if you're necessarily improving significantly by bringing eric carlson in but um, well, it might be speaking... addition by just bumping people down the roster, like we said. So true. Very true. Very true. Um, speaking of just additions, uh, 
recently added to the waiver wire today, Wayne Simmons. Would you take a flyer on him if you need some grit in your lineup? I'm shaking my head right now. No. Nope. <laughs> I thought we that don't might need that. interest. No. Nope. Like, if we needed it, if Costin wasn't here this season, if, uh, like, Kane was still injured, if, like, DeHarnay didn't step up and start playing in this on this team, like, maybe I would consider it. But I think we have enough size and grit to be able to get through a tough series if there's fights and stuff. And like, weirdly enough, Kulak loves to fucking fight people for some reason. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because that literally crossed my mind. I was like, this is the first time in a couple of years where we really haven't had to world uh, worry too, too much about the, the physicality on this team or the willingness to fight. Like this has probably got to be a five year high on the amount of like fights that we've had. It's, it's crazy. Well, it's a good balance of a lot of these guys have a like skill to go along with their size or they bring mm-hmm. something to the game like DeHarnay bringing a defensive edge to like his game um, versus having a guy who's just there to be swinging, swinging hooks at everybody's face and no, no other reason to be there. It's not like a, I'm trying to think of an example of a player right now, but it's hard to think of examples who are just pure enforcers in the league nowadays. Almost everybody can play. Like you think of yeah. the Edmonton yeah. days where they'd have like, like the Gazdicks and the Stortinis and the mm-hmm. JS Jacques or whatever. Like yeah. it like I think the biggest the biggest guy when you think of an enforcer in the league is is Ryan Reeves. But yeah, that guy's putting in points. Like it's nuts. Well Ryan Reeves, he's like obviously he's a scary boy, but he can he can play. I think people yeah. really underestimate how he can play. Like, and you look at like Tom Wilson or something like that. Like he's a monster, but he can fucking play hockey too. It just matters on what he decides to focus on. If he wants to score a hat trick or take a guy's head off. (laughs) That's too funny. Uh, So I've got Twitter up and I'm just trying to like continue to refresh my feed and, you know, go through all this elite prospects, just, posted a tweet saying my wife left me. So I'm hoping they're either hacked or we're having some some serious down days for whoever's running one of the biggest hockey databases on the planet. I mean, with the amounts he has to update it, I'm sure that uh, he just doesn't have time for his wife. What can you say? That that was a weird one. That was a weird one. Um. All right. Well, taking a look the week ahead, uh, the Edmonton Oilers have that rematch against... Uh, Detroit on Wednesday, uh, and then they have the Rangers on Friday, and Colorado on Sunday. I mean, I'm excited for this week, not because of the matchups necessarily, but um, Detroit, after the kind of the physicality that we saw in that game last week, and uh, the way that game went, I I think we're going to have a barn burner of a game on Wednesday. And then Friday, I don't know why, but the Edmonton Oilers always seem to play the New York Rangers in Edmonton on a Friday night, and it always turns into like a stupid 8-5 to five hockey game with some unbelievable goals. So well, If you I mean, look at those two teams, like they have some crazy offense on their team, especially now with like Tarasenko yeah. on the Rangers too. So I expect it to be another like 5-4 game or something like that. And then... Yeah, and then the game against Colorado, another matinee for us at 1 p.m. But that's a good <laughs> test. It's a team who's in a wild card spot right now, and uh, it's a good test to see what this team can bring against some playoff opponents, considering we haven't played against 
anybody in a playoff position for quite a while. Yeah. Um, that being said, though, speaking of the teams we had play, we haven't really touched on it, but you're playing four relatively bottom tier teams in the league. Not relatively. They are bottom tier teams of the league. Are you disappointed coming out of that 2-1-1? One, one? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, especially like that Montreal game. I was very disappointed. Oh, that in. one, yeah. Like, I think that's the game I was most disappointed in, only because, like, you look at the Philly game, like, Edmonton only gave up one goal in regulation time in OT. Like, it was a shootout game, which, like, I love to see because that's what I want. I want defense. I want goaltending. I love that. <laughs> but, like, 6-2 to two against Montreal, it was a piss-poor defensive performance and a piss-poor offensive performance at the same time. Yeah. Uh, that was a game like right from the start. Like that was the only one that stunk in in terms of my eyes. I mean, you will only put up one goal against Philly. That's kind of depressing. But uh, yeah, I I'm okay with that run. Um, just if because, this I was mean, against playoff teams, I would be okay with it. But the fact that it's bottom four, I'm I guess. Yeah, I guess. Um. I don't think I have anything else. I think we covered pretty much all the rumors that are going on here. It sounds like there's still nothing going on in terms of the league itself other than the Tarasenko trade that we saw. Um, yeah, pretty much it's think- all just swirling rumors of all the bullshit <laughs> trades out there and everybody being like, take my garbage for your best player. <laughs> How much do you love the uh, armchair GMs on whether it's Reddit, Twitter? I mean, I don't love it, but to be fair, we're kind of doing the same thing right now. So it's hard hard to argue with it. Um, (laughs) I think it's really fun, though. And like, it's the reason why in like, say, the NHL games, they have a fucking be a GM mode and everybody just likes to trade five first round picks for Connor McDavid or something like that. Because it's fun to fantasize about leasing people, essentially. (laughs) There's some of them that are absolutely wild, but some of them that make you like sit and think like, huh, this could actually like work. Well, you look at like some of the armchair deals, like I think there was one this offseason, for example, which was Tyson Berry for Carson Soucy from Seattle because Seattle Mm -hmm. needed an offensive defenseman and Edmonton needed a defensive defenseman. And like on paper, like honestly makes sense for both teams, but like it just doesn't happen because... Maybe one of the GMs was like, oh, I also want a third. And then you're like, no, nah, go fuck yourself. I'm not giving you a third. Well, if there's anyone that still works downtown, you know, maybe at the Oilers official shop down there at Ice District. Uh, apparently you guys make jerseys of rumored players that are coming over. So just maybe maybe send us a DM. Let us know who you guys are making jerseys for this year. 